L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. You know, before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the rise of Outlaw Country Music and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision in her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Hey, I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the St. Jude kids. St. Jude's doing incredible work fighting childhood cancer. And because of donations, like the ones that you get, families never receive a bill ever from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, food, none of that. Help St. Jude stop childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope. Get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. It's going to look great on you. So join all the doctors, researchers, and me in this fight. All right, text the word Bobby. It's only six numbers to 785-833. Again, text the word Bobby to just these six numbers, 785-833. I welcome to episode 334 with Jimmy Robbins, songwriter, 10 number ones, uh, great guitar player. His story is wild about his first year in Nashville. He's like, all right, let's see how this goes. And then his first year, it's like, bang, bang, bang. He's from Raleigh, North Carolina. His career includes the Warp Tour, a solo album with Motown Records, writing pop top lines for Disney. You know, we get into the age he started touring, which is crazy. And, you know, he had Blake Shelton. Sure, it'd be cool if you did. You don't have to throw back your pretty pig Also, Thomas Reddit goes like this. Keith and Miranda, we were us. And right now, we'll play a clip of this. He's got Marin Morris circles around this town, which he was a writer on. I drove and also, he's a writer on Kelsey Ballerini and Kenny Chesney, Half of My Hometown. Half of my hometown, still hanging around, still talking about So I think you'll enjoy this. I mean, he does talk about later when he dropped out of high school. I mean, so young. You'll hear it. It's a great interview. Really enjoyed this. This is Jimmy Robbins here on the Bobbycast. All right, here with Jimmy Robbins, which I guess I'm so inconsiderate as a human that I had said to you recently, we met on my show. I was like, hey, first time to meet you. And you're like, no, no, <laughs> we met. I don't even know. Where did we see each other? You were with Kelsey? Is that what you said? I think so. Well, I feel like we've been in the same place. Okay. But haven't like, we don't hang out on the weekends every weekend. Yeah, I mean, but- I, don't, I don't hang out with anybody. <laughs> that being said, uh, I felt like when you came on the radio show and, I, and Mike and I were talking, and that was a Marin-centric thing, but I was like, dang, I really like Jimmy. Yeah. Like, and you've, you've accomplished so much. And you're, I mean, what are you, like 15? Uh, yeah. 17, something yes. like that. You've accomplished so much in that time. We should fact check that. That I was, that's <laughs> <laughs> that, hey, we should have him on for a little bit. So I appreciate you coming over and uh, coming over to the house and saying what's up. Even though yeah, you do live you. super close and I heard it was very easy. So we like for it to be a little more of a struggle. Well, I scootered over here, which was good. Fair. And it is rush hour. So if you yeah, scooted in rush twice. hour, we are good. Um, I have to think, and I'll compare it to, 
to a story of mine first to give you a bit of time to think about the answer to this, that it's tough being a very successful, especially in the past five years, six years songwriter, maybe even more than that. But we'll say for the sake of it, five years you've been crushing it. Songwriter in town because everybody wants to hang out with you so they can work with you. Now, I'm going to let you think about that answer for a second because in a way I understand that because I'm not cool. I'm no barrel of monkeys to hang out with. But people are always like, hey, man, we should hang out. We should have dinner. And I always know there's a motivation. Not always. Most times I, I assume there's a motivation behind it that, no, you want to hang out for something that will help your career. Mm-hmm. You want to go to dinner, so I'll put you on the radio show. I'll take you to open for me you know, when I'm playing theaters. I'll, something. So I, I have this trust issue with anyone in the creative space in this town. Now, you are killing it so much as a songwriter. It's almost like you spin gold and you don't have to play humble, but you've, you've just done so much. Do you have that fear with people when they, someone out of the blue is like, hey, man, we should really get a beer or hang out? I think, yeah, I think there's a thing there where you can feel when people have an ulterior motive. But we, I, a lot of the people I spend time with, we were friends before any of us had success. Which is very safe. Yeah. Right? And you wind up having success together. Most of the, like, I came up writing with all the people that I write with now, and none of us had hits, so we wrote together because the hit people wouldn't write with us. And that's still a bulk of the people I spend time with are those same, same folks. Who are those people that you would consider your group that you cut your teeth together here in this town with? I mean, the first two names that come to town are John Knight and Nicole Galleon. Massive. Both massive now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've done so well, and none of us had a cut together. And uh, I didn't have a publishing deal. I don't know why they wrote songs with me. But I've, I've told Nicole before that I feel like she taught me how to write songs. And her version of that is she said she feels like I'm the first person that let her be herself in the writing room. And we sort of stumbled into writing songs together. And then John, I, he's the other guy that taught me everything. The first song we ever wrote together was Whatever She's Got for David Nail. And I Whatever She's Got. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't Sing that again. Sing that, that song. Uh, you sing that song. No, 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 because I'm, lo- I'm, lo- I'm getting too confused because I know it's the song. The bl- it's the mood ring. Like, she's got the blue jeans painted on tight. She day. got the blue jeans painted. Yeah. That's it. Got you it, did, you it. did the high version, which is better. That's what I, when I'm recording, I tend to go up there and they got to put, no. Okay, got it. So yeah. you and Nicole wrote that? Well, me and John wrote You're, that. Okay, got it. Yeah, the first time we ever met. Um, but yeah, all those guys, I mean, Josh Osborne, I was writing with him the day Come Over went number one. And that was his first ever number one song. He's had 9,643 since then. But it's, you know, those are all still my people. If you get the text, hey, Jimmy, let's get, let's get a beer. And you're like, oh, I met you twice. <laughs> Do you, and, and you are a pleasant guy to be around. And most likely they just want to hang out with you because they like you. Do you have that feeling that I have where I'm so insecure with myself as a person? I just assume they're wanting to work with me? Or, or are you just good and all healthy and therapied up? I mean, I'm not good nor am I healthy. But I think um, I have some of that. But a big thing that changed for me was we had kids. And so now my resting answer is no. Mm. I st- if it's, it's like, I don't see anybody because we're so busy with writing and stuff that it takes a lot for me to say yes. So generally I see the people that I've been friends with forever. There's not a lot of like, I don't know you, let's hang out. Because it's more like I'm going to go see a kid. Sometimes I'll get those. I have, there are a couple artists that have hit me up and been like, hey, man, let's get a beer. I haven't, we haven't had a beer in forever. And I, I don't respond, but I'm like, I've never had a beer in my life. 
<laughs> yeah, and forever, literally forever, because I don't drink. <laughs> and I know you just sent me this to be like, um, so I don't. No, literally forever. Yeah, literally. I, and I want to kind of bounce in and out of, of your success as a songwriter here in town with kind of your human story. And I want to go back to 2000. Well, how do you know that I'm human? I don't. We're going to find out. Okay. You have kids. I didn't say human kids. God dang, you got me again. Yeah. This guy. <laughs> uh, Blake Shelton, sure be cool if you did, 2013. That's your first number one? Yes. True or false? True. That was my first cut. Oh, are you kidding? Uh-uh. That was your first cut. And it, did you know how long until you knew it was going to be a cut? And then how long until you knew that cut was going to be a single? Well, this is like an unfair story because we wrote it. This is not the way. The normal story is I wrote a song 25 years ago and it just came out. Mm-hmm. But this one, we wrote it on a like Thursday and it got cut the following Tuesday Oh, it literally was cut like mm-hmm. five days later? Yeah. Yeah, because um, I wrote it with Rodney Clausen and Chris Tompkins, who I had no business writing with, and they just had such a rapport. They sent it straight to Scott Hendricks because they knew Blake was going into cut, and they cut it. And then that was in like November, and then he took it to radio after New Year's, like January 3rd. Yeah, that's a wild story. Yeah, and I, want, <laughs> I have a friend who played professional baseball, and I want to relate it to you and see if you uh, feel the same way. But he uh, was a, a really good college player. Are you a sports guy at all? Uh, yeah, let's say I am. Okay. Let's go with that. The story's not that. I just wondered for my own personal sake. Uh, he was a really good college baseball player. He gets, pull, he gets called up to the pros. Uh, he plays minor league ball. Gets taken to the major leagues in like his first two months. And his first game in the majors, he goes three for four. Gets up four times. Hits, uh, goes three for four. It's like, oh my God, this is the easiest thing ever. Who knew that being in the major leagues was so easy? <laughs> For like the next three weeks, he barely got a hit. But mm-hmm. that first day up, he was like, I just crushed. I'm the greatest baseball player ever. Did you feel that a little bit? Like, this is pretty easy. Who knew? Yeah. I would have. Yeah. No, the, the me that I am right now versus the me in 2015 is very different. Because I I had like five number ones in 16 months or something. Golly. And the best thing that ever happened to me was a bad year. A a year where stuff didn't get cut and then the things that were singles didn't work. And I had to ride that and come out on the other side of it and remember that like my favorite part of this is when the song's finished. And writing songs is what I love. And I, I like I tell people all the time, you need a bad year. It's and then stay in it and it's good for you. But I was definitely too big for my britches. Well, me too. <laughs> I, I relate to that. I got and I've had a pretty weird, wild career of kind of coming from little to here now, but when I got here it was like, Okay, you've now been an, anointed. Like you built this, but you're the guy. Yeah. And everybody was like, Look at all you're doing and I'm like, Wow, I am I'm I the Emperor has no clothes. Like, this is the great. And it took some tr- – I got fined a million bucks. I got into some trouble on the air. And I was like, oh, okay. Now I'm good with perspective. Yeah. First, I was just good and kind of cocky. But now I'm good with perspective because I had the good. I thought that's what it was. And then once I realized, oh, some I needed some crap to make me a human again. Yeah. It sounds like that's a bit what happened to you too. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it makes you better at what you're doing if you can take those hits and then keep doing it you're going to wind up better on the other side of it. Well, let's talk about the good old days. Back in 2013, <laughs> here is Thomas Rhett. It goes like this. Your second number one. It goes like, ooh, what I wouldn't do 
This is uh, TR's first number one, I believe, right? Yeah. So, so now you've written Thomas Rhett's first number one song. He's forever attached to you. Yeah. Because his first number one was the Jimmy song. Yeah. So you can call him at any time. Be like, dude, I need $10,000. Remember that first number one? Well, I could probably leave a voicemail at any time. Ah, <laughs> that's true. And so you wrote that with Rhett, his dad. Was that the connection that got it to TR? Yeah, yeah. At the time, um, Thomas, you know, he had had songs out, but he wasn't a name you thought of necessarily. And I remember being confused when Rhett was like, I'm going to send this to my son. I was like, cool, man. I'll send it to my dad, too. <laughs> like, That's great. Let's, let's do that. But uh, it, it was, it was pr- the perfect storm of, like, the sound Thomas wanted to do. Because there were a couple of quirks with that demo that stuck onto the record that people weren't really doing. Like, some of those drum sounds were a little left of center at the time. And um, it sort of opened the floodgates a little bit for that stuff. And it's funny how left of center that becomes... A hit is now common. Yeah, <laughs> it's now center. Yeah. I want to do one more up in this early section. This is Keith and Miranda, We Were Us, also from 2013. Now, I put those three together to start this because that was a CMA triple play. Yeah. Yeah, three. Explain what a CMA triple play is. That's when you have three number one songs in 12 calendar months. Crazy. And it's, a lot has to go right for that, just with timing and everything. It should be like a CMA triple play deluxe because you did it in your first year as well. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, know? my first year of a pub deal too. The, the guys that signed, did they, okay, were you signed to a, hey, this guy had a lot of potential. Let's pay him some big bucks to be uh, on the pub, pub deal. Or were you like, oh, this guy, we're going to give this guy, break him off a little something and let him prove it? Man, they paid me so much. $23,000. That's what I thought. A year. You really, and how long was that deal for you? Three years. Boy, I bet you just. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I was actually signed to Keith Urban. What a loser, huh? He's the worst. He's the worst. Okay, so that being <laughs> said, we're going to come back to your songs. I want to play from 2006. This is Seven Letters. Oh, God. That's a good feeling now. Amazing. A lot for everybody. Seven letters, 2006. That is you singing. It's me singing. There's there's a story there too that would blow your mind. I'm ready. I'm ready to be blown. Well, I was I'm ready to have mom. Yeah. Ready to be okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was. I was 15 when I did that song, and I met a guy on MySpace named Jordan Schmidt, who was 16, and I flew to Minnesota to make an EP with him, and uh, we made this EP that wound up being the thing that got me a record deal, but now Jordan is in Nashville writing hit songs, and we wrote his first hit song together called Lights Come On, and that was like 10 years after we had met in Minnesota. Wow. That EP, Too Sorry for Apologies? Yes. Oh, one of my favorites. Yeah, I know. You you play that one a lot. I mean, I was at every show. Yeah, I remember that. And so... You were the one. Before... Yeah, but you, you just said it. You got a record deal. Yeah. Yeah, I, well, I toured a lot. As, Warp, Warp Tour? Yeah. I did, all, I did all that stuff and lived in a van and did that kind of touring. The kind where you're gone for like four months at a time. <laughs> and so at, when you were a kid, you mentioned being 15, 16. When you were 12, what artists did you, the artist, want to... Want to be like? Who did you see and go, man? I want. That's what I want to do. 
I really was huge on the sort of emo. I know it's kind of a dirty word these days, but the emo music like uh, Dashboard Confessional and something corporate and um, that whole world, Jimmy World. Uh, they had a great name, Jimmy. But those were like my favorite bands. And I've actually gotten to write with those guys now in this new life, which has been pretty cool. I became buddies with Andrew, the singer for something corporate. And um, it's, it's wild to circle back to all that now from a bird's eye view. Uh, one more song. This is Hey You. Oh, God. Wait, what? Why? <laughs> this is great stuff here. And it also it, gives context. Yeah. No, it's great. Let's listen to this that. This is Hey You. And here's the song in its entirety. Here you go. <laughs> hey, you. Yeah, you playing with my hope through truth. You always know just what to say. Maybe it's better off this way. Maybe with you. So what happened to the artist career? Honestly, getting a record deal introduced me to songwriting, and I never wanted to be an artist, is what I figured out. I just loved writing songs. Why? You mean ever? You just thought you wanted to be an artist? Yeah, because I liked writing songs, and I didn't know what else to do with them. And the bands that I grew up listening to, if you looked at the liner notes, they all wrote their own songs. And so when I signed to Universal Motown, uh, they started setting me up on sessions, and I had no, never co-written a song before. And so I wound up asking out of my record deal... Um, to try to be a songwriter and quit doing the artist thing as soon as I realized I could try to write for people. But before you quit, and I, this song I have, I mean, I have a lot. I'm just going to do one more. Yeah, no, it feels right to me. Thank you. It feels right to me, too. <laughs> Whenever I see someone, like, grimacing in pain, I know I've, I've hit the right spot. Yep. This is from 2009. This is going to get better. Yeah. Yeah. And I saw you go, okay, I like this one a little better. You like this one better? No. You don't? Okay. Here you go. <laughs> Elevated production. Yes. A couple other instruments. Yes. That, that's, that's my opinion, that's the best one. Yeah. My favorite. Well, I do think listening to that, like you can hear, obviously I don't do the same thing anymore, but there's, that sounds like the same guy that would have written whatever she's got to me. Like I didn't move to Nashville and start doing something different. I just kind of wound up here at a time when my natural instincts were where country music was going. Same. I didn't move here and do a thing different. And we were doing pop and hip-hop, and I was doing a syndicated show there, and nothing changed. What was weird for me, and I think you've experienced this too, or probably from like a fringe, because I have. When I was doing, and, and probably not this specifically, but when I was doing pop, I was too country to do pop. And then when I came to country, I was too pop to do country. And I was like, well, I don't really have a place, so I'm just going to be me. Yeah. And turns out that was the strongest thing I could ever do. Yeah. And who I am, just... Uh, somebody that grew up in a tiny town in Arkansas that was heavily influenced by country music in the 90s, alternative music in the 90s, hip-hop in the 90s. And that ended up being what has now hopefully bonded me to a lot of my, my listeners, like mm -hmm. an honest person who really doesn't fit anywhere, but heck, none of us do. None of us actually fit anywhere. When we fit somewhere, it's because we force ourselves to fit somewhere. Yeah. And you coming from this background, and you said it better than I could have said it, you were just here at the time when you organically made sense. Yeah. Did you get from any of the old school guys, oh, here's the punk guy, or I, yeah. or, or whatever, I don't know what they would call you, the, here's the yeah. emo guy. I had a big producer 
say to my face because I, I early on I would get hired onto sessions as a guitar player um, if they were cutting a song I had written just because the way I played was sort of specific and not good but stylistic and he said do my face you're ruining country music okay go <laughs> like that that was a real moment and do you remember that person you know, I'm not telling you to say who it is but, yeah but are they still here they still live here yeah I've had those moments too yeah. Where it's, hey, you're what's wrong with... Yeah. The, and those are the people that don't... St- you got to adapt and mm-hmm. and welcome new things. And you need... And adapt and welcome new things that even don't work. Because sometimes you need them not to work to show that's not the direction it's going. Yeah. And so you move to town. 2013, you're just crushing it. You're <laughs> king of the world. You're king dingling of the new riders. I'm imagining everybody's like, I got to ride with... Did you feel people like... I don't want to say begging, but were people showing up to go, I need to write with you. You've done so much so quick. You've got to be like the new, um, the new methodology of country music, like thinking wise. Yeah. I mean, I do think people wanted to write with me. I was, I was one of only a handful of guys doing something that's really common now, which is like the quote unquote track guy mm. thing, which is a producer writer who's building a demo as they go. And people weren't quite, used to that here the funny thing is i didn't come here to do that i just came here broke and couldn't afford to do demos so i bought the pro tools starter kit and like pretended that i knew what i was doing and i had no idea is that still a thing that's used against people one of my friends ross copperman yeah same like was oh he's the track guy yeah but then once either you hit a level of success or Enough track guys, I'm just saying that because it's the term you threw out there, and that was the term that was used. Yeah. Enough track guys have proved you're not just a track guy, you're actually a writer-producer. Is, oh, he's a track guy. Is that still said, or is that kind of gone at this point? Well, I think it's become a sliding scale. And there's writer-producers and there's producer-writers. And so I think, I think people now know who the guys are that are making really good demos, and they know the guys that are helping you write a song and then have the ability to demo it. And so I, I would like to think I fall into that, like Ross falls into that. He's a songwriter who's good at production, you know? So the track guy term, is it used as much? Just thrown out like, uh, if you're going to write, I'll, from what I know, it's going to be like, well, he's a track guy, so let's make sure to not get another track guy in the room. Yeah, I mean, they say it. Yeah? Yeah. It's not as much of a dirt. It was like kind of a negative. Yeah, I, and that's the point. That's the point I was making. That yes. it was has some of that negativity gone from the term track guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's and I don't know why cuz they still kind of mean it in a, in a negative way. In every pair of Tacova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless western style. A great pair of western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Tacova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they'll last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. They offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. And stay cool in short sleeve moisture wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats. New in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tacova's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. 
visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. Tecovas.com. And don't go gently, y'all. L-A-S-I-K. LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K. LASIK.com. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson, how do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as the Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and T.J. Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the Boar's Nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Here's uh, David Nail, whatever she's got for 2014. And here is uh, Jake Owen Beechin from the same year. It's got to be cool with a song like Jake's that kind of was his image. Did you write it for him or did he find it and go, this is what I am? Like, how did that come about? Because he, that Jake's beaching. Yeah. That's what that song is. Yeah. It's like the perfect song. Yeah. For um, it, we weren't really shooting for him. But there's, I think you would know this, there's kind of moments in time where writers and artists connect to each other a lot. And in that season, and still it's true now, but specifically then, Jaron Johnston was like a kindred spirit to Jake. Like, I think Jake thought Jaron was cool and really loved what he was doing. And so that, I wrote that song with Jaron and John Knight. And it was really just kind of us singing stuff and Jaron made it sound like he would do it. And I think that's why it spoke to Jake. And did then, you guys, when you wrote it, did you think Jaron would, would cut it with Cadillac 3? No. Okay. I don't, but I don't think we thought of Jake for it. Which is wild because when I think of Jake, that's one of the first songs I think of now. Yeah. And Jake's a close friend, and that's still the image. Yeah. Like when it's like, what do you picture Jake singing if he's on stage doing one? It's probably Beachin. Yeah. I think most people would think Jake wrote that song because it's so Jake. Yeah. Do you have any of those other songs that you look at and go, man, it just fell in the right hands because it's the song for the right person at the exact right time? Because I feel that way about Beachin. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel that way about all of them. Mm, what a cop-out answer. Is that? Yeah, a little bit. Well, because I, like, I feel like, with the exception of like song of the year songs, that a lot of songs could be hits and couldn't be. And it's just got to be the right person 
connecting with the message and it feeling sincere. Like I still think I don't think the song does everything. I think the, the right artist has to do it. It's funny because you're coming at it from the songwriter perspective, and I feel the same way from. And I'm not in the mix anymore in the radio world of I don't pick songs. I just go on the air, try to be compelling, try to be funny, bring on my friends, interview them, get good ratings, go away. Right? That's mm-hmm. kind. Of, back in the day, I was more like let's break artists and do. And now, I'll let the music people do the music things, and I'll so I can step away and see it. And I feel the same way you say. Well, any song can. I feel like you can almost make any song a hit. Yeah. If the right team, the right label gets behind it, puts enough effort into it, and spends money and promotes it, I feel like they can make almost any song a hit. Yeah. The same way that you're saying a well-written, almost any well-written song with the right person singing at the right time could be a hit. Yeah. And I mean, I do feel like, this is a gross word, but I'll say it anyway, there's like hits and then there's like a smash. Okay. And I th- I don't think any song can do that. I, that gr- I will agree with that too. That perfect storm of like, this is a moment. But right, um, that's, a great, that's a great comparison. A moment is a great comparison. A moment, I drive your truck. Sure. A moment, house that built me. Mm-hmm. A moment, American kids, right? Yeah. I'm going through songs that, yeah. that that when I just think that, but I think with the right person in support, you can make any hit a legitimate radio hit. Yeah. The same way you think from the writer's side that any hit could make it with the right person singing it. Yeah. yeah especially you do this long enough and you see it's, you know, not always the best song is on the radio and... Sometimes the it best songs don't wind up huh? on the radio. Yeah, it's kind of bullcrap. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think the same thing. Uh, Let's just list all the songs we hate. You ready? Let's go. Oh, we'd be here all day. <laughs> this would be a whole different podcast. And I've done that in different places, and it usually gets me in that trouble I was talking about earlier <laughs> yeah. in this podcast. Uh, Al Dean, 2016, Lights Come On. When the lights come on, everybody's screaming, lighters in the sky, yeah, everybody's singing, every word. Now, before we get into the song specifically, you had a two-year gap. That I don't, I don't see any number ones. Yeah. The, oh. Yeah. No, that was my lull. Oof. That was my lull, and I, I was getting cuts, but I had gotten really accustomed to the feeling of everything working out and saying yes, or, or not saying yes, being told yes. Um, and I mean, I got really low about that. I was going to ask in a serious way. Did you start to feel like maybe you lost whatever you came to town with? Yeah, like, it's hard to not take it personally. I mean, because you. It's you can't really blame anybody but yourself because you're making this thing that didn't exist. Nobody's doing it for you. Um, so I definitely took it personally and got really down and then sort of started feeling like it would never happen again and then sort of fell back in love with just writing songs. Which got you the success to begin with. Yeah. Right? You kind of went full We weren't circle. trying to write hits. Mm-hmm. All the first hits I had were just writing songs with my friends. And that's, a, that's totally right. That's the whole thing is just write songs. And then the hits happen. Were you, and again, I think we're, we're alike in a lot of ways, except for your superior talent and looks. But other than <laughs> that, but were you embarrassed that the success wasn't coming because you had already been elevated to that point? And people were like, hey, you got any songs out now? How are they doing? Did that happen to you at all? Yes. Because I feel that way at times. Yes. Okay. And I, I really felt that way. And then I learned... Partially, well, not partially a lot, because of my wife, who's a publisher, started pointing out to me that we're all so busy thinking about other people, thinking about us, that nobody's thinking about anybody else. And I started realizing, we started doing other things in, in that lull. We started our own company and started trying to support other people. And all of a sudden, I realized people were congratulating me all the time. 
And in my head, I was like, don't they know? I don't have a song on the radio. I don't know what's happening. And then I kind of realized, like, no, nobody's looking at me the way I'm looking at me. And, and I, I really got to a much healthier place with all of it where I don't feel so attached to the success portion. It, I mean, you're so right. I compare it to, on a, on a different level, uh, a presentation at work or somebody falling down somewhere. And they're so embarrassed because they didn't. They either fell or they didn't do a good presentation. And they're like, you're, you're humiliated because you didn't do a good job and everybody saw you not do the good job. And you're thinking, oh. But the times I've seen a bad presentation or some, I don't, I don't remember it yeah. 10 minutes later. Yeah. But when it's you, you feel like everybody is focused in remembering on what happened to, you. to me. I did it. Yeah. But nobody is. And you have to kind of turn it around and go, well, I don't remember when people screw up. I may see it for a second and be like, ha-ha, or that's unfortunate. But I don't, a day later, even remember it. Yeah. And it seems a bit like that's what you're saying there. Like there was just an adjustment, a perspective adjustment. Yeah. Yeah, and just looking at everybody else and remembering like, am I thinking about what songs they have on the radio or am I just thinking that they're really good? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, I just think they're good. Back to Aldi and Lights Come On. This is interesting for a couple of reasons. I'm going to say three reasons. The three reasons are, one, uh, it was written by 74 people. Well, 73. Okay. Uh, but really, the, the best is, is that you mentioned Jordan earlier. Yes. You guys wrote this song together. Yeah. And it met when you were 15 and 16 years old. And here you are in 2016 writing an Aldine number one. Yeah. The other one is that the FGL guys, this, this was always a story about this song, is that the FGL guys were on it as writers and they didn't cut it, but Aldine cut it. Yeah. So you, you wrote it with, I don't know if you're in the same room. We were all in the same room, but it was a double booking. Oh, we were not all supposed to be there and I was going to not show up and Tyler was texting me and I was like, y'all just do it. I'm not, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And he was like, well, I'm going to tell the Warren brothers you hate them. I was like, okay, I'm going to (laughs) come. It's like in wrestling, sometimes they'll have tag team matches with three different tag teams. It's rare, but here are the three tag teams. You and Jordan, friends since kids. Yeah. Yeah. The Warren brothers. Writing a ton of songs. They don't write with anybody else but themselves. You know, Mm -hmm. if they're going to write, they're writing together with other people. They're literal brothers. And then Tyler and Brian from FGL. It was like three tag teams, and yeah. they're writing the song. Yeah. And it can go one of two ways. Yeah, it can definitely go one of two ways. <laughs> Amazing, because there's so much in that room, talent, yes. songwriting. Or there's just too much in the room, and you can't yep. really control it. And everybody's it. talking over each other, and you don't get anything. How did they, what, what was the vibe in this, this write? Dude, it, this was like the second or third song. We wrote three songs that day. God dang. Yeah. You wrote three songs in a day? Yeah, I think it was the Warren Brothers were like, well, there's so many of us. We should probably write a lot of songs to justify our little splits. Um, but it was, that one felt awesome as soon as we got into it and the Warren Brothers came in with the vibe. But then we got the Kiss of Death, which was when Brian said, man, this would be great for Aldine. And you never want to be writing with an artist and they tell you this is great for another artist. So you were writing in that room in your mind for FGL. Yeah, they specifically needed a show opener. Got it. And that was, they, they wanted a show opener for the record, and they were gearing up for tours. So that was, we were there for, with a job. So you, <laughs> you're writing for them, with them, and BK goes, man, this is sound great for Aldine. <laughs> yeah. That's funny, and uh, for a second, tragic. Yes, in your head, you're like, oh, cool, we should stop. <laughs> because you obviously don't want it. Yeah, and it's, with the exception of those guys, it's tough to get an artist cut with another artist. And that hasn't been true for them at all, and obviously not true for that song. But yeah, for a second, I was like, cool, I'll just, should I, should I just jump off this porch? <laughs> Michael Ray, think a little less from 2017. Here you go. Kiss a little more, think a little less. Burn up now like a cigarette. And get you 
Another first for an artist. Although she had massive success, this was Marin's first number one. I could use a love song in 2018. So, when you and Marin first wrote together, was it for this song or did you write, for, did you write together for other songs? We had written a handful of times before then, um, but this was the first time she and I and Laura wrote, which has kind of since become a thing we've written a lot of songs the three of us um and at the time my wife was Marin's publisher at big yellow dog so there was there's a lot i love about this song but it was the first thing my wife had set up that i was a part of that went on to do something and that has always made it special for me would you be considered in the Marin camp i think so any other camps that you because I, I would consider you in the Marin camp yeah but I wonder, what other camps do you consider yourself part of, if any, where they're going to write, you know you're going to write with them for a new record? Yeah. I, like, I feel like I write a lot with Brett Young, and I write a lot with Kelsey Ballerini. Um, but it doesn't guarantee cuts or anything, but I know I'll at least get to write some songs. And you know they feel comfortable enough with you that when they start to position themselves and creatively uh, look at the future, they're like, oh, I got to get Jimmy because he's part of the process. Do you feel like that with all three of them? Yeah. I think for artists, they get so busy that they want to know if they're going to put time into a song that they can, they want to raise their odds of getting something that they feel good about. And when you have a rapport with somebody, it's just, you're not starting from zero. You know, we can walk in and we know each other's likes and dislikes and it just makes it a lot easier. How far do you book out? I used to book out like three months and we now try to just book out like a month or six weeks um, to leave a little more flexibility because we found I was having to miss a lot of opportunities because we were, we were too rigid with it and I think uh, it's been better and I don't have to look at the calendar and think, well, that's 95 things that mm-hmm. I've not written yet <laughs> and I don't have any ideas today. Are you keeping a list of ideas in your phone and then are you ranking them? based on the artist that you're going in with? Mm. I, I'm not a big title guy. Like, I don't... Some people have 150 titles in their phone all the time. You, I'll get some sometimes, but I feel like my role in the room more often is I, I'm pretty good at helping people figure out the best way to do a title. So somebody will have an idea, and I might come up with three different ways we could write it pretty fast like that's how my brain connects the dots and that's the best role if your role is to go in and figure out what they want by them telling you what they want because there ain't nothing to do before you go in except just there's, be you yeah there's less pressure that yeah, way that's awesome yeah and I did I used to do a lot of musical preparation so since I was the, the track guy in the room I would have I would try to have like four what I called vibes which would be a varying tempos and just like eight bars of music um, and I kind of stopped doing that too because that I feel like music has gotten a bit more musical again. And when you have that, you get really boxed into writing over the same chords the whole time. And I just feel like we're allowed to play more chords than we were for a minute. And so we're going from scratch a lot more. Here's Marin, the bones. When the bones are good, the rest don't matter. Yeah, the pain could peel, the glass could shatter, let it break. This was a moment. Yeah. This was a moment. Yeah. You, you have a lot of hits. You have, uh, art, you have defining songs with some artists. There are so few moments. I would say this is a moment. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah, this one felt different. Did it feel different immediately? Or did it feel different once 
people started going, wow, we need to really get on this and promote the crap out of it. I don't think I knew that it was going to do what it was going to do. And I, mean, I think some of that's that it's, uh, I think, a great song, but also I think it was timing where the world wanted to hear that message during that year. You know, they wanted to hear some, some positivity. And it was sort of a perfect storm of all of that. But no, I mean, the, the demo of this song is a guitar vocal, which we, always, we did that on purpose. We thought it was cool. But I mean, it was, it was my wife's favorite song, but I just thought it was good. I didn't know that it was going to be huge. This is your 10th number one, but it is a pop number one. It was This City, a song that I've sang back to you. Yeah. Because it is. I have a lovely voice, if you haven't heard. You do. Uh, yes, thank you. Uh, this is Sam Fisher, This City, from 2018. I feel like you could sing that. That's your vibe. I, I would like that's a song I would do. I can't, I couldn't sing like Sam, but as a song, as an artist, that's like the kind of music I would probably make. I feel that too. Yeah, yeah. I feel like uh, if MySpace existed now, you'd put that on you singing well, that. I on think MySpace. it does exist. Does it? <laughs> it does. It exists, but does it? Well, I check it every day. My MySpace. Nice. Yeah, Tom. Tom read. <laughs> Tom reads out. He's not, no. Just you two. Yeah. You're the only two talking on there. Me and Tom. In every pair of Tacova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Tacova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they'll last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. They offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. And stay cool in short-sleeve moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tacova's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. Tacovas dot com. And don't go gently, y'all. L-A-S-I-K. LASIK dot com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK dot com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as The Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and T.J. Osborne as Johnny Cash, 
alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Let's see. I do want to play Circles Around This Town. This is on Marin's new record, Humble Quest. Here you go. And that, you guys came into the show and played that. When Marin said, hey, will you come play with me? How did that conversation go? When she's like, hey, will you go to the show with me? Yeah, she just asked me like the night before. Um, I guess her guitar player and backup guitar player had COVID. And uh, she just texted me. Because um, we're, we're really good buddies. Like we, our, our kids are friends and friendly and we get dinner with them a lot. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'll play it. It's only three chords. <laughs> Do you get jealous that Ryan is tall and ripped and... Has like the perfect stubble. Not that you have pretty. I know. I really do. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't feel like he tries very hard. I don't either. That's what sucks. I mean, he for sure doesn't try his height. He. uh, Well, no. Yeah. He's not taking growth hormones for that. But no, he. I remember he. He actually stayed with me for a few months back in the day. We we've been buddies for a long time, and I remember he was like, I think I'm going to start doing push-ups, and then like four days later, he had a six pack. Maybe he, that's what I need to do, Mike. Push-ups. Push-ups. I was like, what have you been doing? He's like, yeah, just doing like 30 push-ups in the morning. I'm like, okay. When you left the show, you said you were going to go do a vocal with Brett Young. How'd that go? It was great. Yeah? Can he still yeah. sing? Uh, yeah, he can still sing. Nice. So that's good. Did, so it was a song. Also you're... tall and good looking. Yeah, I, know. I don't even like talking about him though. He's, he's, he's also, two. <laughs> I can't talk about more than one or I start to get really jealous. <laughs> and he was like a superior athlete. Yeah, he's good at everything. Like, shut up, Brett Young. Yeah. We get it. I also don't think he tries that hard to be awesome yeah, at everything. Shut up, Brett Young. Yeah. You, you get it. Uh, did you guys write that song that you had cut the vocals on for, like way before? Or was it one you had just written like the night, a couple days before? We had just written it. Um, it's actually, uh, it's not out yet. So I don't know if I can say, I can say don't this. Don't say too much. I mean, I'm just asking, like, was it a song you'd written way previous? That you'd... No, just a couple days ago. Okay. I think we actually, no, we had written it Sunday. So I think I came in with you. You wrote on a Monday. Sunday? I did because he asked me to. There's yeah. a demand over here. I know. Weekend writing with I stars. I know. So you write it and then you want to lay it down quickly so it's still, you could send it to the label or what? Yeah, this one was an isolated event where we were writing for an opportunity for him, like a like a placement kind of song mm. for a, a movie. And so. Top Gun 2? It is. It's Top Gun 5. Top Gun. Oh, but that'll never come out too. It's taken <laughs> three years to come out. It's already <laughs> been done. Um, so. You pro- you've produced a lot as well, and some of my some of my favorite people. If I'm correct, you can you can correct me. If I'm not correct, <laughs> did you produce Maddie and Tay Die from Broken Heart? Yeah, yeah. Me and Derek Wells co-produced it. Do we have a clip of that, Mike? How does he oh, sleep come on! It's her. This uh, I love this song. The, the production on it's so good. It's just the perfect for them. This was it. Yeah. The writing, the vocal, the production. Yeah. This, that's that's as good as it gets. For them to me like that's top level them you're saying you made them top level is what i'm, I'm saying me personally yes i'm responsible when you go produce what is that what is that where do you go do you have your own place do you, do you hire a, a fancy studio what's what's the vibe when you produce a song well kind of both things i do have a place uh, i have a studio in berry hill and it sort of depends on the artist and on the record for how they want to do it um so like maddie and tay 
we track with a band and it's all live stuff. And then there's there's other albums like uh, the way Kelsey likes to do a lot of stuff. Historically, it's me playing everything at my place. And that's just more the process she likes. So kind of depends. I can do what people need. With the Kelsey stuff, because I pulled all the number ones. I know you and Kelsey have, have had some big singles. What were the what were the Kelsey songs? We've done. I produced. Did, did I? Mi- oh, maybe that's what it was. No, but I did. We had Homecoming Queen that I wrote with her, and then we're at like number two right now with Half of My Hometown. I told you that's my favorite song. It has been for a yeah. long time. I, this song is like I told her, and her family listens to the show in Knoxville, and I was talking about it. And she messaged me and was like, "I appreciate you." I wouldn't wake up early if I was there. I wouldn't listen to the show either. Because <laughs> like I heard from my parents, you were talking about the show. I love this song. Yeah. Like you guys did a great job. Thank you. And there's 19 I, of us on that one. Well, I'm jaded. I'm glad. I'm jaded because I hear all songs all the time. Same with you, right? Yeah. But occasionally you hear something and you're like, oh, like it's poking an organ. Yeah. And this song, maybe because I'm from a small town. Yeah. This song did that. I Who, think you can feel the honest ones. You know what I mean? The ones that, that's a, it's, to me, this song doesn't sound like we were like, let's go check all the boxes and write a hit. I think we just wrote something true to her. I'm going to put you on the spot in the writing part of it because you mentioned it was written by a lot of people. Do you remember who wrote it? Yeah. Well, it was me. You mentioned Ross, Copperman, Kelsey, uh, Shane McAnally, and Nicole Galleon. I mean, that's a powerful room. It's a good room. If you don't come up with a hit with all those people, somebody must die. Yeah. That, like, on paper, we should. Mm-hmm. this should happen. And so do you write that as a duet? We, well, yeah, kind of. Well, we wrote it in Florida. We all went down to do a retreat with Kelsey, and it was meant to be her writing with two groups of people, and we were going to split up and kind of change everybody. And we tried it for a minute, and I think it was me who was like, we should probably just all write together. This feels weird. Um, and so we wrote that song in a swimming pool, did the demo at the Airbnb, and then a little bit of liquid courage. At like 3 a.m., she sent it to Kenny because <laughs> we were like, this would be great for Kenny. She was like, I'm going to do it. That's what you do. You get an artist drunk to send them, yeah. for them to send songs to You should make big, big de- make big decisions when you're drunk. Yeah, because other people are like, I don't want to bother them. <laughs> but if you get them drunk... They'll they'll do it. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, it's you told me, I think you told me right. You, it, your can sound effect in Beechin. Yeah, yeah. Like at the beginning of that song, how do you not get an award for that, dude? I actually reached out. Uh, he was at Sony still at the time on that record. I reached out like ten times to try to get them to put me in the liner notes for <laughs> for beer can, and it never happened. Like that's what you played. Yeah, it's, I here's the it. instrumentation. Give me this. Frank moment. on bass, Jimmy on beer can. <laughs> Uh, the beat, the lyrics to Beachin are interesting and are sometimes misheard. We had a whole segment on our show about it years ago. Cocaine. Because cocaine. Yeah, my dad thought it was cocaine too. Yeah. And I can hear, and I want to do this trick because Green Needle, what's the other one people hear? It's, it's two things that like you can hear either hear the person go Green Needle or Monster Mash. I don't know. It's like two words, but if you listen, you can hear it different ways. You know what I'm talking about, Mike? Yeah, I do. One is Laurel and Yanny. That's another the, one, right. Green Needle. You ever hear of Laurel and Yanny? Uh-uh. You're at, you're, are you kidding? <laughs> no. Let me pull it up. Oh, we got we to let him see what he hears. <laughs> oh, it's Green Needle and Brainstorm is one. Okay. When you get those ready, I would like to do them. Um, <laughs> are you only writing songs and not watching the internet at all? Pretty much, yeah. Have you, have you heard? I miss of, everything. Have you heard of Charlie But My Finger? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. All right, all right, good. Yeah, the British kid. We'll start yes. there. Yes. We'll work our way up. But the the lyrics are, and it's sunshine, blue eyes, tan lines, it's low tide, rolling white sand, cold can. Now, if you listen to it, 
Let's do this experiment. Can you do it, Mike, right now? Yeah. And just think to yourself, cold can. Read, think to yourself, cold can. Okay, that's the actual lyric. Go ahead. Okay. Now, everybody at home, you're probably not at home listening to this, probably <laughs> walking or running or in your car. Think to yourself, cocaine. Yeah. Think cocaine. Be cocaine for a second. Play it again, Mike. <laughs> it's there. It's there. It, it, no, my dad swore that's what it was, and he didn't really care for the song. Like my dad, he's never had alcohol or anything. Like certainly not cocaine. And I, we had a hard time. Why, why don't you like this song? It's like pretty simple and good. And he's, it's like I just don't like that drug stuff. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> this is like the cocaine line. Y'all lost me. You lost me at cocaine. We. uh Mike, you can do that. I'll keep talking. Let me okay. know when you have it. I have the uh, brainstorm and green needle. Okay. Jimmy, tell me what you hear here. It's either going to be brainstorm or green needle. Okay. Oh, wait. Should my headphones have been on this whole time? Yeah. They haven't been. Have you been listening to nothing? And You have the headphones I on. I can hear it from these headphones over there. Are you serious? You yeah. Alive? You haven't heard the clips of your own songs? Well, I've heard them through those headphones. Yeah, yeah, I, trade I with them. Been. Yes, they should have been on. <laughs> Jimmy's been wearing headphones that don't work. <laughs> it's just for looks. Oh, uh, oh, god. Okay. Are they too loud? No. Well, okay. I hear myself now. Let's, I'm, I'm gonna talk really quiet. <laughs> okay, you're gonna hear a tum tum, then you're gonna hear it say "Green Needle" or "Brainstorm." Definitely Green Needle. Okay. Now, if we think brainstorm, mm-hmm. now I want you to okay. think brainstorm on this one, okay? That's still Green Needle. Uh, I don't think he's all, all there, Mike. <laughs> I think he's missing a little something. It you sounds know? like brainstorm here? Yeah, well, it sounds like Green Needle first, but then you can hear brainstorm. What is the actual thing? I don't know. I oh. never got that far. <laughs> I just went, oh! and then turn it off I don't know we'll find the other one you find out it's like it's saying hail Satan yeah <laughs> backward it says kill three people yeah if you reverse it uh, we found uh, let's see here oh here it is what's that I think this is okay this is, the Laurel is this Yanny. Laurel or Yanny okay go ahead Laurel Laurel it's Laurel Laurel okay I'll switch Laurel Laurel I can't it's y- all I hear is Laurel on that one too what? do you hear anybody hear Yanny no is that a joke one where it's only Laurel? Oh, maybe it's right. <laughs> here we go. Okay, here we go. Laurel. 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 All I hear is Yanny. Laurel. What? Are you kidding? No. All, all I hear is Yanny. I don't hear Laurel in any way whatsoever. Are you serious? Yeah. Laurel. Laurel. I feel like you're messing. I swear to God. Laurel. All I hear is Yanny. Laurel. What do you hear, Reed? I hear Laurel every time. I hear Yanny. Yanny. It's Mike, a- what do you hear? I hear Laurel in that wow. one. Wow! What? Do you really? Yeah. I hear Yanny every time. I sort of feel like there's something wrong with me. Oh, no, no, no. There, no, I do too, but... Yeah, for different reasons. Yeah. Okay. But I... But when this isn't like a Ouija board where someone's screwing with you and like someone's really controlling it. I hear... You heard Laurel. Yeah. I heard Yanny without a doubt. Yanny, Yanny. <laughs> I wish there was a way to share that with you, but there is no way. I know. That I, w- I was excited for the change. Mm. Um, okay. What's, hey, what's the meaning uh, behind your name on Instagram? 
the meaning is um, when I had a record deal, somebody else had Jimmy Robbins, and we tried to get them to give it to us, and they asked for $20,000. And so I just changed the letters of my name. Yeah. I thought about flipping it. At the time, it was popular. People were saying, like, Bustin' Jeeber and stuff. And I was like, oh, I'll do that with my name. And when you flip mine, it's not a name you want. Remy Javins? Remy Javins? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it wasn't I, w- I wouldn't have gone with that either. It wasn't the one for me. It's funny. I couldn't get mine. I told you that. The guy, 20000 that's a lot. Yeah, well, and Insta- this was 10 years ago. Instagram wasn't yeah. even, like, popping. That's a lot. In every pair of Tacova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Tacova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they'll last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. They offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. And stay cool in short-sleeve moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tacova's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. Tacovas dot com. And don't go gently, y'all. L-A-S-I-K. LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Does the number 562-606-0903 mean anything to you? Is that my old phone number? Yeah. <laughs> is it on MySpace? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, location is Wesleyan College, North Carolina? Yeah, basically. Rocky Mount. How do you say that town? Wesleyan. Wesleyan? Yeah. Uh, and you had 85,000 friends. Yeah. You were kind of making it. That's a lot of friends for back in the day mm-hmm. on MySpace. Yeah. that was. I treated it like a job. I was on MySpace. I dropped out of ninth grade. And just treated MySpace like a job. I don't know if you're being serious. Yeah. I dropped out when I was 14. You dropped out of high school? Yeah. What did your parents say about that? Um, they weren't thrilled. Uh, How do you have that conversation? That's a really young age to drop out. It was sort of complicated. My, my mom had just passed away. And my dad was sort of whatever will make me okay. He was there for that. I don't think it was ideal. But he, uh, he, he was great. He let me pursue what i wanted to do what do you pursue at 14 or 15 i started doing the myspace thing and i turned that into a living um wow yeah i was making a living when i was like 15 you were an influencer yeah i mean I, and i'm not even joking but i mean you made your money yeah. by a social by social media before that was really a thing yeah yeah i was packaging cds and shipping them all over the country like i sold thousands and thousands of cds back then wow yeah that is wild. So it was did, just unfortunate they sounded like what you played. <laughs> that was the real downside. But the third song was really <laughs> that one I might have put on my page. Yeah, that's the one nobody bought. How about that? Really? 
Yeah. Well, because yeah. the album kind of only sort of came out. Mm. How long did you stay home after you started to go independent, making music, 14, 15 years old? I started touring when I was 14. Um, Oof. So I was in a band with some guys that were older than me. They were 18 and 19. And my dad signed a piece of paper giving the singer permission uh, to take me to the hospital if anything happened. And then I was gone. Did you get any trouble? I did not. Um, I, I was raised really like uh, PG. And so there were nights like I chose to sleep in the van because the dudes were like doing some stuff and at a house and I would just sleep in the van. Or we would sleep in parking lots and stuff too. But Wow. You had to grow up pretty quick, huh? Yeah. In a few ways. Yeah. Yeah? Your mom passing that early. Yeah. You have to grow up, you know. And then also you decide I'm just going to go hit life at yeah. 14, 15 years old. What would you say to that kid now? I mean, I sort of would do that all the same. I would do all of the same things because I think I w- even more so now because I believe now more – more with perspective that like school wasn't going to get me where I wanted to go. And I mean, I would like for my kids to finish high school um, just because of the age part of it more than anything. But I, th- I would do all the same stuff. But what if they say, but dad, what if they say Remy Jabbins? She does call me that. Yeah. You did. No, I know. I think about that all the time. I would have a hard time telling her no, but I would hope she was good. But what were you? No. Um, I want to play the two openings to both This this City and The Bones Uh, first This City Mike yeah give me one sec and I'm going to play The Bones and it because I'm going to play the guitar licks right on both of them and if you consider this kind of your trademark as a player producer I'm going to let our audience hear it first I've been saying lonely people. Okay, here's the other. <laughs> like the tone feels yeah. pretty similar. Yeah, it's like the same guy playing guitar. Do you, f- is, that, is that you? Yeah, that's like, that's the way I play it. It's, it's a thing called tenths, which is like a guitar phrasing that I, I fall into a lot. Just I always like the way it sounds. Tenths, yeah. It's like because the talk talk to talk to a dumb guy who plays like eight chords. Well, it's like you're playing the one and then an octave of the fifth, so it's the tenth. Yeah, stop talking to a dumb guy who plays like eight <laughs> chords. It's, it's, I need Rosetta Stone for that one. Uh, as a songwriter, do you get approached for approval? Like when Marin does the bones and then Hozier drops on, and goes, "Hey, I want to be." Do they come to you? I think they would only come to us if it was going to affect the like the the copyright. But Hozier didn't ask for a piece of it or anything, at least on the writer side. I'm sure he did on the, the master side. Well, he came in, he killed the interview. I feel really good. It's probably going to be a number one. Yeah, they do that, right? They rank your interviews. Mm-hmm. Okay. I do anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably going to be a number one. Okay. For at least today, it's the only one I'm doing today. Okay, so, good. I mean, you yeah. really can't lose. Killed it. <laughs> so, but I mean, really, congratulations, man. I I just always enjoy someone who comes. Knows who they are and stays who they are, even though there's like an outside ring that's like, that's not who we are in this town. Yeah. Because once you do you and it proves to be successful, everybody else is like, oh, yeah, we know that the whole time. Yeah, we, we, we'll do that now. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy to see how. And 
it's going to happen as you get older. There's going to be somebody else coming that's all different. Yeah. And you have to remind yourself, oh, yeah, I was that person. Not the same way, but I, I was that. Yeah. Like, I was different. I was a different splash in the milk here. So, but I like that. I like that about you. I, I think that it's good to have guys like you in town that are just kind of pushing to make it better and stretch it a little bit. And now you've got wild success and so much money. It's just... <laughs> If the fancy watch, so f- and I, I can afford to be your neighbor. Yeah, I need to see your mortgage paper. <laughs> uh, it, big fan, really. Yeah, big fan. I know we haven't spent much time together, um, but just a big fan of your work and uh, love. I mean, the stuff you and Marin do together, just for me, is like next level. Thank you. Just, I mean, I feel like when you and Marin started writing songs together, like for me, that was the Marin stuff that that hit me the hardest. And so, just a great job. And to, to wrap this up, Reed, I'm going to give you your one question. We let Reed, our, our camera guy, ask one question. Reed, go ahead. All right. How often would you say you deal with a writer's block? And if you have any tips to uh, overcome that. What he whispered to you is, how... <laughs> I know. Yes, we made a lot of eye contact. I feel really, really nervous over here. Um, no, I, every day I, I feel that way. I, I think the deal with writer's block... One huge cure in Nashville is collaboration. Um, I'm really lucky that I write with other people and and just showing up because there's a lot of days where I don't feel like writing a song. I don't think I have anything to say. And I show up and I talk to my friends and we find something. Like every day we find something. So I think, I think show up and collaborate. Man, all right. Taking notes now. Reed, good question. Thank you, sir. Um, I think that's it. Well, I, was, I feel like I was going to ask you, one other thing. I got behind some... I don't believe that people are ever late because of bad traffic. I just don't believe that's really a thing. I think 99 <laughs> times it's used out of 100. It's a lie. And I was caught up in bad traffic coming home. So I called Mike and I was like, I'm stuck behind... It wasn't bad traffic, an accident. Oh, yeah. So traffic, maybe. An accident, no. I mean, Let me refresh this. Yeah. <laughs> Most people say, oh, I got behind an accident. They're lying. Mm-hmm. I was behind an accident. I thought you were going to beat me here to my own house. Well, I got here yesterday. Mm. You you don't go into that one bedroom very often. I don't. Yeah. Well, I don't actually live here. <laughs> I live over there, but still. Um, and so I thought I thought that uh, you were going to beat me here, and you're this big famous songwriter, and you know you probably did. You write before you got here. I did. I wrote two songs today. So this is you mentally exhausted. Kind of. I'm just always mentally exhausted. And what? No titles. What were the themes of the two songs you wrote today? Uh, very different things. The first song was sort of about death. Mm. The second song uh, was like a like a country life song. I can't wait for that country life one. <laughs> I'm predicting a hit. Are you, Mike? I'm waiting for the death one. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and some could be both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's it. That's the end of the show. Uh, at Jammy Rabbins on Instagram. Jammy Rabbins. <laughs> I don't know who has Remy Jabbins. <laughs> Uh, at Jamie Rabin, songwriter, producer, publisher, Lily and Ridge's dad, and Sarah's husband. Yeah, all those things. There it is. But most importantly, those last things. Yes. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you. And I'm glad your headphones worked. Yeah, that last, was great. For the last seven minutes, I the really ab- yeah, liked yeah. the ending better. Man. 
Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. In every pair of Tacova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tacova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit Tacova's.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. And don't go gently, y'all.